Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. This is Aurelien, the mindfulinvestor.net. I'm here with Glenn, uh, glennsutherland.com and Darcy at darcywhite.ca. And today we will be discussing advertising suites. Uh, it, this uh, topic came from a conversation we had recently where, uh, you know, one of the, to, to give some context, one of the uh, value-add strategies is to buy buildings that have vacancies. So you need to be able to not only uh, improve those suites, but then rent them out because uh, that's part of the value-add uh, strategy in, uh, in, in uh, being a real estate investor. And um, so, Glenn, would you like to get us started? <laughs> I don't know if I'm the right person to start this, but we're talking about, uh, is it advertising suites or value-add suites? Yeah. Advertising suites. Advertising mm -hmm. suites. So for, for me, uh, when I advertise suites, it's because um, I used to do this myself when I was uh, investing in Canada. And you know what? It's one of those things that you have to know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. And I know personally that uh, advertising suites and choosing tenants and everything is not, um, is not my specialty. Um, whenever I was doing this, I would end up at the landlord tenant board more times than I should have. I believe anyway, I probably like one fifth of my tenants would uh, I'd end up there with. Um, and I was doing the credit checks and stuff like that, but I, I just I just know it's not my strong suit. Um, I tend to see the good in everybody and I'm not good at actually picking tenants or, or, or figuring this part out. Um, so at this point in my investing career, I do outsource. I, I outsource this all to uh, property management. Um, if when you're paying, you, you're going to have to pay for this service, right? So it depends on how your property management contract is structured. Some of them will want a half month's rent and some of them will want a full month's rent. And it depends on whatever they put in the contract, right? So you, you will, it, it is an expensive uh, service to have them lease the property up. And one thing you need to know when you're leasing these things up, or even when you're choosing your property manager, is to ask them if they're actually showing the properties. This is very important. There needs to be a personal element of people actually showing them. And I know Darcy's probably going, what? What do you mean not showing them? So I had a, <laughs> I had, um, a property manager in Indianapolis and what they would do is they just literally had the lock boxes on codes. They'd send the, proper, the tenant to the property after doing <gasps> a preliminary screening and they would give them the code and they would walk the property themselves. I didn't figure this out for a while. And oh, like oh, my heart is breaking right now at all the lost opportunities. I've never oh, heard that. They, they had such a hard time leasing that property up and I couldn't oh. figure out why they were, we had so many people interested, why we couldn't get it to anyone to bite the trigger. It turned out there was electrical wire hanging in one of the rooms that just terrified everyone. And like my property manager wasn't even going, they weren't doing their job, right? Um, and so it, it's as crazy as it sounds, it is important to walk these properties, to show these properties. And then you can answer the questions about these properties or your, your leasing agent or your property manager should be doing this uh, correctly. Um, if you're, um, for, I know a lot of these people who listen to our show are Canadians and on one website, I don't think this is a Canadian website as well, but a lot of times we advertise on hot pads. Um, it is very popular for uh, uh, finding rental properties in the US. Um, so I know we do there, but that's my thing. I, I hand it over to my property manager. Um, I have discussions with the property managers about what my criteria is to put the tenant in. And so I'll say certain credit scores, certain income. And uh, we, we have that discussion and I, they don't tell me 
what the deals are with the details of the tenant, but they do say if they've met the criteria or not, because I think they're legally you're not supposed to be telling all that information to everybody. So they don't, they'd say that. Um, and they have in certain times said, hey, we have someone who's close. And I'm like, what are they close on? And he's like, well, they don't quite have the income or something. Would you be willing to be a little bit more flexible? And then I can make a, a judgment call on that, right? Uh, and it depends on um, demand, right? If I'm having a hard time renting it, then I probably will. If I have other options that are fully qualified, then I would take the fully qualified tenant, right? Yeah. Um, so sometimes you make make decisions and make compromises depending on where this property is located. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm st I'm still stunned and back at the dangerous wire hanging and people showing the suite to themselves mm -hmm. that's incredibly lazy yep uh and just as such a lost opportunity you and, finally get someone to show up like it's you get someone can you to imagine show up. paying them a month's rent or a half month's rent for unbelievable doing nothing well you you I, often it's paid for upon results right so you get a, yes. a rent up fee or a one month's rent or a half rent or something like that yep. but just how many squandered opportunities that just for such small things oh my gosh that's just awful that's awful don't do what glenn's managers did that's that's your first tip yeah and wow. there's actually an app i can't think of what it's called in the us and it's all for property managers to be able to do that service to not actually go see that's and i i i well, this is a digression i i love what timothy <laughs> ferris says you know that his ideas of efficiency um get maximizing value and stuff but my initial reading to that book was i was so offended that somebody wanted to do less work i'm not wired that way i overwork i'm a workaholic so i squander effort but it's never short of effort the, op the opposite to me seems like a giant sin so when you find out people are trying to find a way to shortcut and quote hack a system and do less work i'm already suspicious that they're not a good person it's really judgy but if someone's trying to find a way to shortcut things I'm asking not how, why, what's wrong with you? If you're trying to do less work, I'm worried about you. Well, with, That's the, just everything, with all the in, these industries, anything around real estate, um, I came from an IT background before this real estate mm. stuff. And, you know, they're always pitching the, the SaaS software as a service. Um, mm. You know, so, and, and but the thing is with a lot of these companies try to get rid of the personal element to it, but they still expect to be paid the same. But I would literally pay extra to have businesses where there's actually people, <laughs> people talking, people working. It, it is very valuable. And it's, this is a people business. And I think we've drilled Absolutely. that into everyone. This is a people business and taking the people person out of element out of this thing. It doesn't make sense. Okay. That's your, that's, you're like setting up a soft lob for me to tee off here. Okay. Um, you're ready. Because it's, it's all personal. All business is personal. And as soon as you try to someone try to back out of it and say, it's not personal. It's not just, it's just, just business, not personal. Those are weasel words to me. I know I'm about to get screwed when I hear that. They're trying to disassociate themselves from personally what they're about to do, which is evil or odious or something. So as soon as I hear that, that's the red flag for me. Um, our core value for our business is respect. That's respect for the person. Um, if we don't sell them a suite or rent them a suite, we still have a respectful relationship with them. And it was a win. Right. So we never lose. Even if they don't take our suite, we have a respectful engagement with a person in the public. And that is a win in and of itself. Um, it's just an orientation of how you, you know, do your business. Um, I wish I, you know, I was looking at my notes I did yesterday and looked them over again this morning. I went, wow, I wish I could put those in a simple, 
mnemonic or an acrostic that make it easy for people to remember. Um, but we do, we are a value-add purchaser, exactly as already described. We buy vacancies. So what it looks like in the market might be selling for a six and a half cap or a five and a half cap. In function, we're buying awful. It might look like a three and a half cap because there's so many vacancies. But the opportunity is to turn it by filling those vacancies, to turn it from that three and a half cap, which looks terrible, to the purchase realized after about a year of ownership that we might have bought it for a nine and a half or a 10 or 11, or in some cases, 17, 18, 20 cap, just because we're buying a lot of vacancies. Now it makes it really difficult to get financing and insurance. Insurance company won't, may not insure you if you have more than market vacancies. If you have 10 vacancies out of 40, they're worried there's not enough people are looking after your building. And you're gonna to have to mitigate that with inspections, with on-sites, with uh, a live-in, with uh, even as much as we've had them asked us to have security on-site, which is expensive. So there's cost to that thing, but that's what we do. We buy vacancies and we have to fill them. That's the urgent, that's the one urgent thing in our business that is, you know, uh, a constant push, fill suites. And, you know, we do it, I think we've done a really good job of it, but it starts with respecting the person. So respectful ads and that what it looks like when you see one of our buildings, as I preach over and over again, there's consistency from the street right into the suite. So when you step on the curb, it's uh, the snow shoveled, there's salt laid down, there's garbage picked up, there's not broken things, the doors trimmed and painted, there's flowers in pots in the front, carpets are cleaned, doors are clearly marked, the lights are all working, the fire extinguishers and the, all these stuffs are taken care of. The, it's well detailed right to the suite. The paint is trimmed around the door. There's a, a knocker, there's a number, and there's a peep. When you walk in the suite, it is clean. It is ready to go. There's not a contractor's Tim Hortons cup sitting on the counter. There's not a scrub pad sitting in the sink. Um, it's not dirty with drywall dust. It is ready to rent. I don't imagine, I don't ask my tenants to have a ma uh, imagination. You're going to get exactly what I'm going to show you, and it's perfect. And if it's not perfect, we're going to fix it before you get in there. But I'm ashamed. It is ready to go. There's not half-ass suites looking what um, we're trying to rent. So Do you ever that's, try to pre-lease these up while they're still under renovation or anything like no. that? Then? We've had so poor experience with that. Nobody has imagination. And in the marketplace, there are enough jerks, uh, landlords out there, I'm ashamed to say, that will rent you a place with missing blinds. The doors are missing. They'll tell you, yeah, that'll all be fixed when we doubt. Yeah, it'll be perfect. You're going to love it. And then there's no closet doors. The blinds are broken. Uh, taps are dripping. They just cocked up the bathroom and, and it's still dirty. And people are moving in to dirty suites. So they, they have good reason not to trust you. So my staff is, it is ready. We also stage suites and take good pictures of them. And that's hard to do. Real estate pictures are notoriously crappy. Try to get a good picture of a 10 by 10 bedroom. It's like, what are you going to pick? Take a picture of the window or the closet door? That's a hard, that's a hard picture. I mean, you try to get, look, baseboards are four or three inch baseboards uh, on top of new vinyl plank. So you get a corner of the baseboard. You can show that the heater is painted and there's blinds on the windows. There's terrible pictures. So we mostly stage them. We'll stage one and we'll stage the worst unit in the building. We'll put the furniture in there and leave that. That's the last one we're going to rent. And we'll show people that first. And then we show them our other suite. So this is what a finished suite looks like. This is the one that we're offering. And people go immediately, I want the stage suite and go, it's not available. I am so sorry. What we are offering is the one in the photos. And this is the one we're offering this week. Um, 
I find the stage suite is the one that's in the worst possible spot. It's behind the elevator. It's between the elevator and the stair exit stairs. I'll leave it to the end. Um, you know, but yeah. because a lot of your other option, you have to move the staging stuff around all over the building. Exactly. And you got to store it someplace. So it's going to the next new building. So that red throw goes into a tub, Rubbermaid tub along with the throw pillows, along with the single lamp that you have with the blow up bed and the mattress and everything else that goes into a bin cleaned up, goes to the next building. When you buy it, we stage it again and leave it up. Um, it's a lot of work and it's hard to keep your staff on top of that. It's a bunch of work, but I think it's important because I think they need to see it and they need to be assured that this is what it's going to look like. This is a quality product. And that starts with respect. You don't show them a shabby suite that's broken. Um, how, how do you get tenants? Um, you know, the best most people acknowledge is word of mouth. Now, it doesn't matter what we say, it's what our tenants say. So when we get a building that's stabilized and starting to be profitable, it's because we have strong word of mouth and people are telling their friends or friends of friends. And it may not be, it's like getting a job. It's that person that's going to get you a job is not the someone you know, it's someone who knows someone you know. Because people you already know, you've already worked, you've already worked them for opportunities. It's that next step beyond. That's where our best tenants come from. And happy tenants will tell a friend who will tell someone else. And if it gets three levels deep, you've made it. Your building is, uh, your success is assured as long as you maintain quality and service. So when we get to that level, then our Kijiji ads, our Craigslist ads, our rent up ads, our rent faster, our all these other companies don't matter because we have a wait list and people are waiting to get in and they'll wait on the sale of their house for a vacancy in our building with seniors. And we've had that happen over and over again. They'll tell us six months ahead, I'm going to sell my house. I wanna be in your building. We've been watching you clean it up for three years. That's when I know we've turned the corner. Uh, then you never look back, um, uh, but it requires you know diligence to get there and it's hard, hard work and it's not impersonal, it's all, personal work, dealing with every single one of those tenants and doing the work yourself for us. Yeah. And you, you mentioned like a lot of stuff about having it uh, properly painted and everything beforehand. Um, if you, that it, it attracts the right people. If you have it un, unrepaired, unkept mm -hmm. up, what do you expect from your tenants? Yeah. Um, and we've, we've done this too. And this is one of the early, early lessons that took me a while to figure out. So we would buy a building that was in terrible shape. Like I'm honestly water pouring into suites, raccoons, honestly living in the suites and crapping all over the place. Do they pay rent? A family of raccoons in a ground floor building in the suite and the managers and the owners didn't do anything with it. They just let raccoons come and go through broken windows. That's, a, that's where we started. That's as bad as you can, you know, that's as rough as you can imagine. Um, we immediately in the first 90 days secured the property moved the dumpsters to the back, cleaned them up, signage, lights, checked all the fire and safety stuff, made sure the boilers and everything electrical was working, recarpeted, repainted all the common hallways and landings, put cameras in, high-def high cameras all over the place. We remarkably improved, improved this building in the first 90 days. And I had a meeting with them on the day of takeover, pizzas and soda pops, and told them what we're going to do. 90 days later, I had another meeting with people, and I was stunned that in that 90 days, as many as, well, this is a 48 unit building, as many as seven families and individuals had given notice. And I was trying to figure out why. And on exit interviews, if they would tell you anything, they were very vague. Uh, one of them actually came up and said, well, we're worried about rent increases. And I said, you know, in Ontario, rent increases are prescribed. 
It doesn't matter how much I spend on this building. If you have a tenancy, I can, this year I can only add your rent 1.1%. On a $720 a month apartment, that's seven bucks. <laughs> I said, are you, you're moving for $7? I mean, I won't even pay for the gas in your trailer no. for, the, for the trip. What, I don't understand. And they wouldn't address it. Um, what we figured out is, you know, we've worked into North American culture, consumer culture, and people buy what they want. You can't force someone to buy something that they don't want. Some brands are very popular because they offer what people want. People buy a Samsung TV or a Sony gaming platform. In the same manner, they buy a suite and they've chosen where to live. Some of them might be constrained by you know, economic circumstances. I have $700 a month I can spend. What are my choices at $700 a month? And they find a place for $697 and they, they, you know, they have this buyer confirmation that they made a good choice. When you change that, you've actually substantially changed what they brought and you've broken faith with them, even if you think you've improved them. So I look at what have we changed? We've made it more secure, more stable, cleaner, efficient. Um, but we have brought in rules and accountability and regular collections and regular inspections. And I believe that when you address all these vacancies and people moving and going when you take over a building, some people have purchased the insecurity of uncertain collections so that if, if things are not repaired, then that means that you don't have to pay your rent on time. And they want that. They want the flexibility of this door is broken. I'm only going to pay 400 a month. And I'm going to pay the, on the 15th, I'll pay the remaining uh, 375. And I'm going to work out deals with it because you're inconsistent. Your management is inconsistent. Your product is inconsistent. Therefore, I will be inconsistent with my payment of cash because that's really the only leverage they have. So that's why I'm so big on respect and consistency and the product, making sure that all those things line up so that you can demand and request, demand's a bit strong, but it's close, regular payments of rent. So when we're marketing and advertising our buildings, it's super important for me that it's absolutely consistent, that we don't let down on the quality stuff. And what we're showing is exactly what you're going to get and it's going to be delivered that way month after month, day after day, because um, it's hard to request payment if you're all over the map. If some things work some days, don't work the other days. And that's really hard management to force your team and your people. And if you're out using a third party management company to stay on top of clean laundry rooms, collections, um, uh, notification, inspections, pest control and management, yard work and all these other things, your best marketing is by doing a good job and getting word of mouth. After that, everything else is second rate as far as marketing goes. You can have a great campaign and you should have a social media campaign. You should be using Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji, Craigslist, RentUp, RentFaster, all those other ones. But your best marketing is the quality of your product and people telling other people. And you know, people will crap on a bad product a lot, but they're reluctant to say something's really great. So you really have to be good to get that word of mouth. For me, that's been our best marketing is having a great product. Sorry, I've been on a bit of a run, but all right, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so uh, I've delegated uh, also some of the uh, tenant screening and uh, some of the marketing. And uh, when, uh, one of the things we do, we use, uh, we use Facebook. Uh, some of my properties are in a smaller community, so um, uh, I have a, a helper who uses her Facebook account and publishes the pictures on her Facebook. 
but I'm the one ultimately who's going to screen the tenants and do the, the reference checks. And, um, and I know uh, there is a movement towards uh, except in Alberta, but more and more provinces are making it difficult to evict. And uh, so it's really key to uh, when you when you select your tenant uh, to be uh, to be to be picky and to take your time and not rush into a, into a decision. Um, in the U.S., I've also delegated the process, uh, and um, we have um, even a, an Airbnb property as part of one of our parks. And uh, we, we try to do long term and uh, my PM down there meets with the potential tenants, tries to meet with them when it's possible, when, when they're local and um, just to make sure that uh, it's going to be a good fit. And for commercial real estate, um, I, I've one of the strategies I've learned in terms of uh, screening and, uh, and finding tenants during due diligence, that's that's really part of the business model is um, trying to uh, buy value add properties. Usually you, you're going to have vacancies. And um, so basically you try to test the market during due diligence and you try to have a due diligence period that's as long as possible to, uh, to try. And uh, the different strategies you can use is uh, so obviously you're going to put a sign in the window. Uh, that's the first thing you can talk to leasing agents. Uh, some are more active than others. And sometimes it can be tricky because um, the reward, usually a leasing agent is going to charge three to 6% of the, um, the, the leasing contract of the amount of the leasing contract for the duration of the, of the lease, usually three to five years. And, uh, and the, the motivation is not there when they're dealing with um, smaller surfaces like uh, you know, 1,000 to 1,500 square feet. So what, what, what you can do is go into a, a Facebook, local Facebook groups uh, to get a sense of what's going on in the community and offer referrals. You know, if, uh, if uh, the, person, the person finds you, helps you find a, a business that becomes a tenant, then you can offer a referral fee. Uh, that's, that's another way of doing it and, and to get a sense of the of the property and are you going to be successful running it out and uh and that way you can you can decide to uh, to and you know the best case scenario you can get some lois letters of intent so tenants committing for the for the to, to rent the space from you and um uh and then you can discuss with them you know the either they want a, a white shell or a white box sorry or uh, or you can discuss the improvements, but make sure uh, don't let them uh, rent for free. It's very important that even if you make uh, arrangements with them to share the some of the renovations to the space, they, they get into the habit of paying rent uh, right away. So these are my my tips in, in for commercial since you guys covered residential. Yeah, I, did, I went back and looked at my notes to see what I missed. Ari made me think of this. Uh, windows signs in your windows. Um, we recognize a couple things. If you're trying to convince people to come into this neighborhood, you have to sell the whole neighborhood. That's that's a big job. And in some neighborhoods where there's rental apartments, it could be uh, people could be apprehensive. You know, you're seeing commercial dumpsters. You're seeing things that you might not see in normal residential neighborhoods. Uh, so you're looking at commercial uh, rentals. It looks a little bit different. Um, we've recognized that it's less work to convince people that are already committed to that neighborhood to come to your building from another building. 
Um, you know, in the same way that car dealerships will kind of aggregate together in the same neighborhoods. So if you're going to look at a Toyota, well, right next door is Honda. So you can look at the CRV or the RAV and compare them directly. Both, both uh, dealers recognize that it's better to have a sale than to miss out on someone potentially looking at your vehicle. So often rental apartments are aggregated in an area based on zoning. And I see across the street from me, maybe Main Street or Avenue Living or Boardwalk or any of these other large commercial uh, REITs. I don't mind that at all. I just, I, I say that old joke, but um, in, a, in a bad circumstance, like if you're being chased by a bear, you don't have to outrun a bear, which is impossible. They're way faster than you. You just have to be faster than the slowest guy running else from the bear. And if these large monolithic REITs are slow and don't have a great product, you just have to be better than them, which is a lot easier than being the best in the world. And, you know, I want to be that good, but that's a lot. That's a big ask. So we are conscious that our signage is facing towards potential good tenants in other buildings that may not be serviced well. They may be unhappy. Now, that also means you're going to get the ones that got thrown out of there for not paying the rent or for partying or living outrageously. That's a chance, and that will have, you'll have to catch them in your, um, in your application process um, because they're going to have to get a good reference. And we always ask for two back-to-back -back references, no gaps between. If someone's been living at home for eight years, that's a hard take. You have no rental references. You're not going to get a car loan if you don't have credit. You're certainly not going to get a rental from us if you don't have a rental application, a rental history. And that's hard if you're 18, getting your first one. I recognize that. Um, you know, boy, you're just going to have to bowl us over with something else, like great if references you're from to your run these um, rates and stuff. Would it be like you're, when you're advertising on your property, like towards them, would it be something like, you know, a three bedroom, two bath with washer and dryer or something like something maybe that they don't have trying to figure out yep. what that building has or yeah. missing. Yeah. And make sure that they know that there's available suites in your building. Some people are so shabby. We look at buildings that have absolutely nothing on the front to tell you, you could think they're full and they have 30% vacancy. They've done nothing. You know what? A, those little, we call them those kick-in signs. They're wire signs that you put it, you slide a red and white signage in please don't handwrite them with a cheap marker but use some sticker sticker letters that say for sale and put your numbers on them but we buy them by the tens because they get knocked over and blown down and kids kick them and break them and just keep putting them up if you've got a vacancy and you're not advertising for people who are already in the neighborhood and looking because those are people they're wallet ready to rent they came driving through your neighborhood they've already decided on a location and they're close you need to move them from their car to your front door. You're now only moving them 30 meters. That's not as big a deal as finding a, a needle in ASAC somewhere in the city of Saskatoon and getting them to your neighborhood. That's a hard go. But if they're already driving the street and they don't know that you have a vacancy, you are missing an opportunity. So that's about consistency. And you need something on the building with your signage, your logo, directing to your website with a QR code that they can actually see pictures of the suite when they're there and see them. You know, the only downside is if they drive up and they're driving past your property and it's covered with litter and old strollers on the balconies and broken stuff and, you know, then you're screwed. So you have to be on top of that. That's part of consistency and respect. Um, but those kick-in signs, we use them. They're up all the time. I want them up all the time. And I know they don't look amazing, but they're effective. People need to know that you have something for sale. Um, yeah, I, I would hate to miss those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about incentives, but um, 
you know, finding the right incentives is critical. That could be a different yeah, it depends on the markets. It depends on the market situation, and if you have a market with high vacancies, yeah, incentives yeah. can be. Yeah. Which is all of Canada is historically low vacancies. There is a housing crisis in Canada, not just for purchasers, not just about affordability. There is not a lot of space available in Canada. In Vancouver, the vacancy rate is below one percent. I mean, that's incredible. Um, you're talking the same thing in Toronto. It's like somewhere around two percent for vacancies. Mm -hmm. If you can't rent there, it's because you got, you're not working hard enough or you don't have a good enough product that people have other choices. And there are really no other choices. I mean, Edmonton's vacancy rate is around 6.5%. It's one of the higher ones in the country. Saskatoon is just slightly lower. Calgary's is below 4 um, I mean, if you can't rent in that market, you should try something else. You need a, you know, a different kind of job. So, you know, with uh, what's... I know COVID's been tough, and if you're out there struggling because you've had a, a lot of students that leave the country and a lot of people that have teamed up and haven't been able to afford rentals, you got that. There's vacancies related to that, and we've experienced that. But um, right now, there's a housing and rental crisis. Um, if you have a good product at a reasonable price, it should rent. Your challenge is you got to pick the best tenants for your bill and build a strong, healthy community, not just fill it up with um, people that uh, can't behave. And we've struggled with that, too. Mm -hmm. Great. Okay. Well, I think uh, we've done a good job covering that topic. I hope so. Uh, advertising for Swedes. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions you'd like to submit, feel free to do so. Advancedreitalk at gmail.com. Advancedreitalk at gmail.com. And to get in touch, uh, themindfulinvestor.net for Aurelien. Glenn is at glennsutherland.com. And Darcy is at darcywhite.ca. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.